Hi, everybody. Welcome back to our daily podcast, We Go For It. We're sharing stories and observations for the boldly aspiring. This podcast is brought to you by Norman and Advancing Life Projects. Let us help you advance your life project. In this podcast, we embark on a transformative exploration of personal growth and development in order to improve and enhance the results we are getting in whatever worthy endeavor we have seriously chosen and are committed to. Well, thanks for joining us on our 365-day Best Wishes for You series. This is episode 52. It is now, it's September 14th, and the weather's turning. It's starting to get a little fresh. You can feel a little bit of autumn in the air. And our wish of the day for you is, may you develop the awareness to recognize the sly disguises of opportunity. Now, when we talk about opportunity, what are we referring to? Well, I guess we can look at it from different angles. I like to look at opportunity as something that is potentially good for or beneficial to you. It's a long sought and awaited opening, a first crack at whatever it is you are sincerely shooting for, your first shot at it, something that you've been working towards and boom, all of a sudden you have your shot, you know? An opportunity You can also look at it from this point of view that an opportunity is a set of circumstances which could be good for you and help you move closer to your goals. You see, circumstances are all around us. You could say we are beset by them. They are constantly present. However, circumstances are good for us only to the degree that we are ready to act on them in a way that benefits us that moves us closer to our goals. Then these become opportunities. So you could say to a certain degree, an opportunity is essentially an opportunity only to the degree that we are prepared to take advantage of them. And of course, we have to first recognize them. Now, I remember reading Napoleon Hill's book, Think and Grow Rich, and he writes about opportunity. He made a really interesting assertion He said that our biggest opportunities lie just beyond our most devastating setbacks, sometimes just a step or two beyond, sometimes a bit more than that. You know, it could be a setback. Usually the setback he's referring to is of the type that could take us out of the game altogether. I would go so far as to say that it is designed to take us out. That's why it's there. It's kind of like somebody's asking us, how badly do you want this thing? How badly do you want whatever it is you're going for? Show me. You see, I don't know, but I'm under the impression that that he was right. You know, that some of our greatest victories come just after a particularly resounding defeat that threatens to destroy the entire operation. At least my own experiences seem to have borne that out, and the experiences of those whom I've studied also. Let me tell you a little story. I love baseball, as maybe you know, and if not, now you know. I played baseball when I was a kid growing up, 
And I have a, a little story about goal setting and that disaster that could have just thrown the entire my entire project to the wind. Okay. Now I was I started playing baseball at the age of ten and I was really bad. I started a little bit late compared to my my peers and I just wasn't very good. It took me a while. It's a, it's not baseball's not an easy sport to to become competent in, let alone master. And there's a lot to learn. There's a lot of coordination, a lot of eye-hand coordination, a, a ton of stuff. And at the same time, there's also this ball, which is actually quite hard. So there are a few things working against you here. So, you know, I spent a couple of years learning, trying to become better, practicing consistently. And it seemed that, you know, no matter how hard I tried, I was still the loser. I was the the, the, the bench warmer, the bad player, the guy who, you know, just wasn't going to make it. And it was um, two years in the making. And I, I, I remember that what kept me going was A, a love of baseball, and B, the New York Yankees. I grew up in New York City in the 70s. I, I can still remember the 1977 New York blackout and the capture of the famous Son of Sam. So it was a, a love affair. I love baseball. I love the Yankees. And I continued to practice and go to the games and play poorly. And basically, you know, I was um, a non-entity. So in my third year, you know, I was here developing, I guess, <laughs> I guess. In hindsight, I guess I was developing. And I remember in my third season, I was still bad. And our coach decided a few games into the season to take us to a batting range. Now, for those of you who are not familiar with it, a batting range is like this big cage where you stand at a home, at home play, you stand there, and there's a machine that shoots a ball at you and you have to hit it, not at you, at home plate, and you have to try and hit it. And you can vary the speed. It can be really fast or not so fast, whatever. So here we were. I, I was excited because I thought, okay, maybe this will be what actually catapults me to, to <laughs> averageness rather than being terrible. So, you know, I got in there and uh, I was very excited. And I stand in there, and the first pitch that comes from the machine, I swing, and I it hits my finger, and it takes some of the skin off my finger. So I remember dropping the bat and being really pissed off, really upset because it hurt. Okay, it was burning. So you know, I get back up there and I grab the bat, and rather than you know back away and maybe think about, it, I go right back in there and I'm like, okay, now I'm really going to hit this thing. So the ball comes in again. Another ball comes in, and it's kind of kind of like doesn't curve much. I'm not sure what happened or curved in or something. So I swing the bat, and the ball hits me square on the back of my left hand, and it broke it. I broke my hand. So the coach comes and he looks at it. It looks kind of bad. As I'm talking right now, I can feel the back of my hand and I can feel the bump of the cartilage where it finally healed. And this was the 70s, right? There wasn't a lot of, I don't know, there wasn't as much protection or as much 
attention paid to injury. So, you know, he put a lice on it and I relaxed and then I went home. And I had a decision to make. I was quite concerned because I was thinking to myself, now, if my hand is broken, I'm going to go to the doctor and they're going to put a cast on my hand and that's the end of my season. At least it'll be a couple of months. The seasons back then were not very long and I was really worried. And I thought, what am I going to do? So I made a decision at my age. At that point, I was 12 and I decided I'm not telling anybody. I didn't tell my mom didn't say anything. I just, uh, and my hand got pretty swelled up. It really swelled nicely, I must say. And I didn't tell anybody. So I, because I wanted to play. So I would go play with my friends. I couldn't, I could barely put a glove on my hand. In baseball, you catch with the opposite hand. I'm a right-handed person. And I would catch with my uh, left-handed glove. And I, I couldn't, I, I could barely catch uh, I was, um, how could I say, kind of non-existent, which really wasn't much of a difference for my team because I wasn't very good anyway. So I rode the bench. I played a bit, didn't play much. Nobody could really tell the difference. <laughs> Let me put it that way. I was so bad that, you know, broken hand, whatever. <laughs> this guy's not very good anyway. Nobody really noticed. Um, so about a month later, the swelling had started to, to go down. The, the hand was healing. And it was really interesting because... And this is actually explained in, in a book that I've written that I'm going to be putting out there. It's a, um, a coming-of-age story. And part of, the, um, part of the story does involve this particular incident. And it, it turns out that that season was my breakout season. About a month after the accident, and I'll, I'll, explain, I'll explain what happened in the book, um, I had my breakout season. I started going crazy hitting. All of a sudden, I started hitting the ball. If I was batting around five, 500, 450 to 500. Anybody who knows baseball knows that's, that's incredible. I'm, I'm, that means every 10 times that I would get up to bat, I would get a, a hit between four and a half and five times, which is incredible. So I really had a breakout. I mean, it, it was amazing that to the point that I remember the coaches saying, you know, what What the heck happened to you, Norman? What did, what did you eat? What happened? They were just totally shocked. And I guess maybe it was simply a matter of me developing to the point that I could actually start competing with all these guys. And I think to myself that that broken hand would have been a perfect moment to say, hey, I'm done here. I'm, I'm fed up. I'm not doing this. I'm taking the season off and I'm just going to, you know, watch the games and whatever. I didn't do it. I couldn't. I didn't want to. I wanted to play baseball. I wanted to continue to improve. I wanted to win. And so this particular, um, what could I say, setback, I, I didn't allow it to to control what I was going to do. I didn't allow it to defeat me. Let's be very clear. And I continued playing with pain and all. And it really, I, I, can, I still can't understand what happened. And I was voted the most improved player that year. I remember it very clearly. And I got on the varsity team and et cetera, et cetera. I played really well for a couple of years until, I, I, until we moved. But it was such an incredible moment. And when I think about what could have happened if I had told my mom, and, and for anybody listening, if you're, a bit, if you're underage, I don't know, don't, don't take this as any kind of um, 
approval for not telling your parents when you've got you know a, a problem like a broken hand or something this just happens to be my story and i i did it and and i won and uh, i don't know where the opportunity wasn't there and i know that this particular episode is about opportunity i don't know where, where the opportunity was but i can tell you where the setback was and perhaps the opportunity was Answering the question once again, which was going to happen again later in my life, how badly do you want it? Do you want it this badly? Okay, do you really want it? Okay, show me. And I did. And I became a good baseball player. Most improved. It's a, it, it's a fact. This happened. And, you know, when we talk about this idea of obstacles and opportunities and the opportunities being in disguise you know i equivocate a bit you know and about this whole idea because you know the times that i've truly been digging for something i absolutely and most desperately had to be or do or have you know i never really checked whether a setback was an opportunity in disguise or not i i didn't i didn't have maybe i just didn't have the awareness to to think about it in that way i was just too busy digging you know i was too busy moving i was i was you know i was too busy moving towards what i wanted so i would imagine that there were a number of opportunities disguised as setbacks that, you know, worked in my favor because I didn't give up. I was just too busy, you know, responding and moving forward. That's it. You know, and I would say, however, that these setbacks that do not defeat us, you know the old cliche, what doesn't kill us makes us stronger. Yeah, okay. But I think the real question is, is how does it make us stronger? In what ways? What does that really mean? It makes you stronger. What, what does that mean? You know, it's it, you have to analyze this just a little bit. You know, and we say that these setbacks that don't defeat us, uh, in other words, which we overcome, they do have a particularly beneficial effect on our mindset. They really do. And they can have a very good effect on how we look at ourselves and how we look at ourselves and our relationships with others and our relationships with our goals. And what we're really talking about in the what would be considered in management books would be empirical proof. It's the empirical proof, the evidence that we actually can, that we actually can do whatever it is we're, we're setting our, our minds on. And when we overcome a lot of these obstacles, we're really proving to ourselves that we have a certain ability. There's something there that that can enable us to move forward. It might be messy. It might be incomplete. It might hurt, but we can. And this this idea, this notion that we can, it can strengthen uh, what I usually don't like to refer to very often, and that's confidence. It can strengthen our confidence. Confidence is merely an awareness of the empirical proof that we can. And as I said before, the key in this equation is the empirical proof. That's vitally important when we are working to sharpen our self-image and to make it more reflective of the true beauty, splendor, and achievement that we are. We are achievement. You know, in all this debate about whether and when an opportunity is disguised as something else or not, 
You know, it's important to remind ourselves that opportunities are merely circumstances. You know, they are circumstances which, for the most part, we don't really control. They, they emerge, they come. Uh, you know, I mean, we, if we're, if we're going to talk about vibration and getting into that right vibration, you could say we attract certain circumstances. Absolutely. I think we do attract some opportunities, but we don't do it consciously. So it's not like, okay, today I'm attracting this opportunity. No, they emerge. They, 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 they emerge uh, when they're ready. They emerge at the right moment. So, you know, in essence, we don't control it. So the question then is, what part of all this do we, do we control? What part can we control? And there is one thing we can control always. Well, several things. We can control our preparation. And our preparation is based on our ability to control our thinking, which affects our feelings, which affects our actions. You get prepared and you'll start to see all sorts of opportunities pop up. Or at least they'll be recognized as opportunities in hindsight. And you'll start attracting some really cool stuff into your life. And you'll know what to do with these opportunities when they do emerge because you've put in the work. You've prepared yourself. You've changed your way of thinking. You've gone through that whole process of as you're preparing, you're going to have these little defeats or big defeats. You're going to have a series of defeats. You're going to have failures. Preparation is, is a, it really means you're failing forward. And so as you prepare, you start noticing things happening. Things start to pop up, meaning opportunities. Circumstances that can work in your favor as you move towards whatever that particular goal is. And that's important to remember, and it's important to keep that in mind as you go through all the ups and downs that form part of preparation. If you've enjoyed today's episode, thanks for subscribing to our podcast to stay updated on all of our latest uh, news and episodes. And please remember to follow us on social media for more content. And as we part ways, I share my sincere wish with you. May you develop the awareness to recognize the sly disguises of opportunity. And the way we do that, the way we get better at recognizing the disguises of opportunity is through preparation, sticking it out and not giving in. Until next time, take care, be kind to yourselves and each other, and remember that ultimately you hold the key. Thanks for your time.